0: If you are new, we are um, in Genesis. We study books of the Bible here at Maccab with occasional breaks for other theological training. The goal is for us to have eyes, um, to have Christ's eyes as we view the world, to view the world as God sees it and not as fleshly man. And the way that you do that is by conforming to Jesus and by understanding what he tells us is the way the world should look uh, because he is truth and every man's a liar. The scriptures say in Romans. And so that's what we're doing. Uh, We go through books of the Bible and hopefully the Lord is continually shaping us uh, more into his image as image bears. Right now we are in Genesis. As you can see, we are um, trucking along and we are in Genesis 30. We're going to have a lot of text here. Very interesting story. I want you to continue as we're reading through, um, just be asking yourself, um, who are you in this story? Um, Where are you? Uh, Two things. First, you know, be be asking that. Be asking as this is going to, you you can imagine, uh, to the Israelites of old as they are in the wilderness, um, as they are becoming, as they are understanding what does it mean to be the people of God. um, How would this encourage them as they are having this passed down through tradition, um, as they're they're talking about this word here. Uh, Be asking yourself that question. And then um, through that, ask yourself, man, how does... How does this uh, apply to me? How, who am I in these stories? What does it look like um, in these historical accounts of what's happening in the world as God is revealing himself to his people, far be it the world, but to his people specifically? Um, if you're new, we, at, we can ask questions. That's totally cool. We just ask, because it's the sake of time, that they would be gospel-centered, that they, they would encourage the community of faith. If not, if you feel like it's a specific thing. Uh, that maybe I can address afterward. Would love for you to come down and we can we can hash it out. It'll be great. Um, but just know it's not a faux pas for you to ask a question that encourages the saints and helps you um, worship the Lord more. <clears throat> We've been spending a lot of time uh, talking about Jacob, uh, who was actually. One of uh, our patriarchs, he um, eventually will be changed to Israel. Uh, his name—he is actually yeah, where we, we get the, the people of God from, where we're going to get these uh, the twelve tribes um, of Israel. Uh, but until, as as this is all forming, we're seeing a huge work in process, uh, progress. We've seen him come to faith uh, in the late twenties of chap- in the late uh, chapters of of chapter twenty. We are seeing. Um, him beginning to walk with the Lord. We're seeing him just be a, a, a sinner with all kinds of passive issues. Uh, we've, we've had some really funny stories. There's a lot of wives in the game right now. We've got a lot of kids. Uh, there's a lot of, a lot of sinning, a lot of manipulation. And uh, most importantly, don't miss this, a lot of grace. Uh, and that's, that's the main point of what Jesus is trying to show you and me, uh, is that, wow, look how much we need the Lord, uh, and then look how gracious the Lord is. The sad reality is people sit here every week and hopefully in other churches all across the nation. But sadly, they get to see right before them the grace of God, the great king who says, you're messed up. Everyone's evil. I'm the only good. The point of the Bible is that there's bad people in God come to the Lord so that he can make you right. And then they don't accept grace. That's the sad reality. And as as a pastor, it's hard because I'm like, man, is there a way I can manipulate this thing? so I can help people actually say, oh, I want to, I get it. Okay, God's king. I'm not, man, I need to give my life over to the Lord. Um, no. It breaks my heart. probably breaks your heart too. But I'm just praying that no one in this room, hopefully even leaves today, and says, yeah, good talk or something weird like that. But you don't, ha- you don't contemplate the reality of God's grace. Let's start. We're in Genesis uh, chapter 30, verses 25 through 31. I am going to, how am I going to do this? If it's okay, I'm going to go ahead and read from my Bible, and then I'll just have you follow along and, you know, just work with me, brother. Okay, you guys ready? You got Bibles? If you need a Bible, you can raise your hand, and we can pass them out to you right now. You can write your notes on the back of your program. If you need to, as well, um right now, just to give you a little snapshot of what's going on is uh, uh before when we when we ended, uh there are a bunch of babies being had uh, uh, we had um, a situation where uh we had the whole Mandrake story last week, which I thought was hilarious. Uh, we got these kids, and Jacob has been working for Laban for many years okay uh, and and we enter into this story now where uh um, where Rachel is going to give birth to Joseph. I'm going to start in verse 25. I'm going to read a lot of text, so you guys stick with me and ask questions as you need. We're starting in verse 25. It says, After Rachel gave birth to Joseph, Jacob said to Laban, so so, uh, Rachel gives birth to Joseph, um, who we're going to see um, is going to be used in a great way, um, which again, models God's grace, because Rachel, as we know, has been um, a manipulator. Uh, She actually pimped out her husband last week uh, for some fruit. Okay? And... uh, and then he was so stupid, he said, okay. Uh, and so we see these crazy people, but that person is going to have Joseph, who actually saves the people of Israel and makes sure that Jesus can say at the end of time that I was faithful, because the remnant isn't destroyed, which they would have been destroyed, um, if the famine would have happened and Joseph wouldn't have been there for the people. So it's a beautiful story. We'll see that at the end of Genesis. So you have Rachel here. Uh, she gives birth to Joseph. Jacob says to Laban, Laban, we have Laban as a character. He's a cheat. He's a liar. He's all about money. He's, he's greedy. Uh, and he manipulates Jacob uh, to, uh, <clears throat> to stay and to work for him for all these years um, by, by giving him his daughters um, in a sequential method, right? You take one daughter and then here's another one. You've got to work seven years, another seven years. We're going to realize toward the end of this story, he works for Laban on, over about 20 years. Right. He gets free labor. And I'll say, show you why I say free in a moment. So so I'm just setting up the characters right now. You got Jacob, a passive guy who's actually going to be hes a patriarch. Right. <laughs> but yet all he is, what he really displays is God's grace because of how how passive and how much of a wimp he is. We have Rachel manipulative. We have Laban, a cheat and a scoundrel. And all he desires is money and power and success. And like it says here, it says, he says, send me on my way so I can go back to my homeland. This is, this is Jacob talking to Laban. Basically, Laban, I've been working for you for all these years, okay? Man, can I, you know, just, just give me my money, all right? Give me my people, and I'm going to go on my way. Look what he says in verse, uh, in verse 26. Give me my wives and children for whom I have served you, and I will be on my way. You know how much work I've done for you. So he's just kind of fed up a little bit, right? He's like, man, look, I have been working for you for so many years. You have cheated me. You've done all these things. I mean, how many people have, I mean, some of you guys are looking at this right now, you're thinking of your boss, right? Some of you guys have really weird bosses, or you've had this experience where you're working for someone, you're working hard, and they're just totally, they're just jipping you, right? They, they, they say they're going to give you a pay raise, they don't give you a pay raise, uh, you, you're just feeling used. You're feeling like, man, like I don't trust you. I've, I've, I've given myself to you, and this is what I get in response. Well, this is this is where Jacob is. He's just kind of like, man, look, just give me my give me my rightful due, so I can get out of here. <clears throat> Verse 27. Look what Laban says. Laban said to him, "If I have found favor in your in your eyes, please stay." He says, "I have learned um, by divination that the Lord has blessed me because of you." He added, name your wages and I will pay them. And isn't that interesting? So, so Laban says, okay, look, Jacob, man, can you, look, just calm down, Jacob. Quit crying. Look, look calm down. Would you, will you please stay? Because, you know, I've been talking with the demons, you know, that's what divination is. Let me just, yeah, I've been talking with demons, and, and they basically are saying that you are good for business. Okay. And so, I don't want you leaving because, you know, I'm about the bottom line. I'm about the money and the power. So please don't leave. Let me, let me just, um, if you can go one, one, go for it, please. Divination in scripture, and this is be clear here, because I make, now this is something in script, in our community, we gotta be very careful of, okay? Uh, because divination in scripture is basically, it's, it, it's totally denounced, okay? Uh, it says, "Do not turn to mediums or seek out spiritists, for you will be defiled by them." I am the Lord your God. Basically, the only person you're supposed to be talking to that's of spirit is me, or somebody I send. And if you're talking to if you're talking to anybody, or you listen to anybody who's not me, then what you're doing is you're dealing with demons. Now, now I want to I want to pause here because in our community, um, things like horoscopes, all right. Uh, some of, you, some of y'all are looking at Sylvia Brown or Montel Williams, you know. Uh, you know, uh, all these, all, uh, maybe, you know, uh, people, you know, you find people getting success all the time, and it's probably because maybe a demon hooked them up. Okay, so, so like, like medium spiritist, you probably heard the word necromancy, I don't know, uh, um, witchcraft, um, all this stuff, when you, when you're dealing with astrology, you're talking about, you know, I'm a Leo and a Christian, like, that's all demonic stuff, okay? Do you understand that? That all those things are not from God. God is not calling you, you, no, you can't, as a Christian, you can't be a Sagittarius and a Christian, okay? Because Christians, we don't we don't follow that stuff. We follow the Lord. And so, and in our community, that's totally celebrated. It's okay. I've had pastors come to me and tell me my kids are a certain sign. A zodiac sign. What, well, how does that happen? Because it's totally, it's okay in the community to, to not see that that's totally demonic. See, okay, why am I pausing here? Because people think because they're, they're spiritual that they're hearing from God. Some of you, be careful, you think you're hearing from God and you're listening to demons. That's why I'm pausing here. So when you the goal isn't to be spiritual, the goal isn't to have some some supernatural understanding and have things happening to you. And then this, you know, and I, I wanted this stuff and, and I and then I got this dream and then this thing happened to me. I'm so spiritual because guess what? You can be having dreams well enough. They could be supernatural well enough. They could you could be spiritual well enough and you can be obeying a demon. Huge in our community. Spirituality. Right? You listen to these, you listen to these crazy cats. I mean, think about our culture. I mean, you listen to like Coco and Foolish on the radio. I mean, fitting name, Foolish. Right? And I'm amazed at how you can go to secular radio and they can have segments about spiritual things. And I guarantee you, you talk to many of these individuals, they believe they're Christians. At best, they're Christians with really bad theology. At worst, they're unbelievers. Because God is not wanting us to hang out with demons. Like, why are you harping on this? I'm, I'm trying to be... This is contextual, because this is huge in our community. Where you live right now, you've moved here. Spirituality is totally accepted. The gospel is weird. Okay? We can all be spiritual. But that doesn't mean you're obeying the Lord. Here's a guy who's saying, "I like demons. It's good for the bottom line. I'm getting paid. I'm rich. See that? Right? That's how. And we talk to people all the time. Oh, God is blessing me. I'm I'm, I'm hearing God. Look at look at all the stuff I got. I'm prospering. I must be hearing God. Just the end goal. A demon will give you stuff if it'll bring you to hell. A demon will give you stuff. If it'll allow you to short circuit your witness. So why, the, I'm telling you, in this body, we talk a lot about true spirituality because we want you to understand when you listen to Christ, it's not that sexy. And that's why some of you guys get mad because we, the song we sing, in Christ, you live a life of faith founded in the scriptures. The normalcy is not, oh, the told, person told me this, told me this must be God. Just want to denounce that. Just want to denounce that. True spirituality is what God has required of us. Can we go back, please? Thank you. So he's talking to demons, you know, verse 27, gets to the bottom line. The Lord has, you know, uh, I have learned by divination that the Lord has blessed me. He gives an account to God. So the demon told me that God has blessed me. <laughs> Because of you, right? Uh, he said, he added, name name your wages and I will pay them. Ah, man, I'm. you know, I know I ain't paid you in so long, but okay, I'll start now, man. Just don't leave, all right? I know I've just been pimping you for all these years, but don't go now, okay? You have that, you get fed up, you want to leave, I'm done, I'm through with this. You want $10 an hour now? What, $15? Continues on. Jacob said to them, uh, said to him, you know, um, I have worked for you and, ha- and, and how your livestock has fared under my care. Uh, the little you had before I came has increased greatly. You didn't have much before I got here. And my toil and my work is why you are successful now, basically he's saying. And the Lord has blessed you wherever I've been. The Lord's been hooking you up because he's, he, he's good to me. But now, uh, when I may when may I do something for my own household? He's at a point now where he's saying, and another huge thing, he's saying, like, well, so when am I going to do something for myself and my family? When am I going to be able to hook up? Like, when am I going to be able to progress a little bit? Which I propose is another huge thing in our community. Uh, and I'm just, and I, was, I was so convicted by the different aspects. And I say in our community, in this community, in an area where brothers and sisters are struggling, in a mostly African-American area, let me tell you another issue. Another big issue is that you have family members, you have someone trying to, they're trying to do something for themselves, they start wanting to go to school, they just want to do something, and you always have mad, urgent drama within the family. Okay? And then there's great, and then there's great, um, there's great disparagement when you're trying to continue to move on. You, you, they, now, now you're a sellout, right? Now you don't really care about us. And so you find individuals who can't ever get anything done for themselves because they keep trying to prove themselves to the culture and to the community, specifically their family. And some of you are doing this right now in our body. Some of you cannot break strong, break off the umbilical cord and say, you know what, your issues aren't necessarily my problem. Because I need, God wants me to be about something first, and then I'll come bless you. And here's the thing, and it's some of you guys, as you are white folks in this community, you come here and you enable that mentality. Versus saying, hey, I know you love your mama, I know you love your daddy, but guess what? She's an alcoholic. She doesn't give a rip about you or Jesus. They're using you. You need to be about Christ's plan. And then let's see what the Lord does after you're all set. You a wrecked. First, let the Lord deal with you. And so we need to learn how to be prophetic in this community. Don't feel like, well, but I'm a white guy. I'm a white girl. I can't really say anything that's not true. So he's like, man, he finally gets it. I need to... Man, I haven't done anything for my own family. Verse 31, he says, what shall I give you? He asked, right? This is, I love this. So here's, here's Laban. What shall I give you? Look at his response. Don't give me anything. Why do you think he said that? He's like, you're not giving me anything. I'm asking you what you should have already given me. I propose that's his point. Jacob replied, but if you would do this one thing for me, I will go on tending your flocks and watching over them. Look what he says. Let me go through all your flocks today and remove from them every speckled or spotted sheep, every dark-colored lamb, and every spotted or speckled goat. They will be my wages. Why does he say that? Again, he's he's, wink, wink. You ain't doing nothing for me. I'm just trying to get my wages, bruh. Can I get rightfully paid? You're not blessing me, Laban. What can I do for you then, my son? Pay me my money? Look what he says in verse 33. I love this. And my honesty will testify for me in the future. Whenever you check on the wages you have paid me, any goat in my possession that is not speckled or spotted, or any lamb that is not dark colored, will be considered stolen. Right? He's like, hey, so anything you find that's not what you've given me, that'll be stolen. Implication is, but anything that you find that you said you gave me will be mine. Okay? So, but if you do find a speckled or a spotted goat, that's my goat. Okay? Verse 34. Agreed, said Laban. Look how, look how shifty Laban is. So, agreed. Man just called you out. You've been playing me for all these years. Give me some money, Laban. You'd think the brother, even you think he'd say, okay, man, I have been playing you. No, t- I've been playing you. I give you these sheep, and you think he would try to. I don't know. Maybe I just thought he would try to help him out a little bit or give him extra sheep or something. No, no, no. I give you special, but I give you three good ones too. Now, look what he does. Let it be, as you have said that same day, he removed all the male goats that were streaked or spotted and all the speckled or spotted female goats. All that had white on them and all the dark colored lambs. And he placed them in the care of his son. So it seems like Laban says, hey, so I'm going to take these things that you asked for, these goats. And I'm going to take my my boys and I'll make sure they watch over them because I want the best guy to be watching over my stuff. Notice that he sends his boys to watch over Jacob's stuff. Verses, hey, hey, boys, watch over my stuff, because he knows he gets paid with Jacob. Do you see the greed there? But Jacob goes to watch his stuff. Let's check this out. Where am I at here? What verse is that, guys? Okay, he says, then he put a three-day journey between himself and Jacob. Look at this. In this. Brother said, I don't want you touching my stuff. It's going to be three days. So I'll I, I see you coming. All right? It was a three-day journey right between himself and Jacob, while Jacob continued to tend the rest of Laban's flock. So the brother separates everything, puts a three-day journey, say, I'll take my kids, you go in this, watch this stuff, I don't know what y'all going to do. Hey, Jacob, do your thing with my sheep. Make sure, keep them really far apart so I know that I'm going to get mine, I'm going to stay paid, right? I got my boy still working for me, so he's thinking everything's cool. Greedy, shisty, just can't get enough. Discontent, filthy rich. Could have just shared could have repented. He didn't, though. Look what it says here. Jacob, however, took fresh... This is this kind of kooky. You know you can't have a Jacob story without something kooky happening. So verse 37, look. Jacob, however, took fresh-cut branches from popular... Me and Sarah, we, are, we, we talked about this all night, man. We were just like... Um, Almond and plain trees and made white stripes on them by peeling the bark and exposing the white inner wood of the branches. Okay? Uh, then it says, then he placed the peeled branches in all the watering troughs so that they would be directly in front of the flocks when they came to drink. Uh, when the flocks were in heat and came to drink, they made it in front of the branches. So the, so the, these animals would come in front of these branches, look at the branches, drink the water, want to mate. They started mating, right? I don't know much about sheep. I'm a city boy. Um, they made it in front of the branches and they bore young, verse 39, that were streaked or speckled or spotted. Okay so we're talking about Jacob's Jesus. so we so we're at Laban's camp okay there's no speckled or spotted sheep or goats okay they're all right but what happens is they begin to have babies that are okay right so so you can imagine so you, you know I'm, I can't I'm trying to I'm trying to think of an example what's second rate to John Deere what's like the the silliest um Okay, maybe you got Caterpillar and John Deere. I don't know. Yeah, so you got Caterpillar and John Deere. Four, I don't make no. Don't, don't people get mad at me? Well, you say, say you're like, hey man, I'm a Caterpillar dealership, you know, um, and you know, hey, you can if someone happens to bring a John Deere in here, you can have it. And you're thinking, well, who's gonna bring a John Deere to a Caterpillar dealership? And next thing you know, you should start seeing everybody bringing these Caterpillars and training them and saying, oh, I want, I want, I want, I want the, um, I want the John Deere. All of a sudden, out of the blue, people are, he's, he's beginning to be able to, like, acquire these John Deers. It's like, he's just like, it's like, it's like impossible. It's like, this is literally impossible, but you know why it's not? It's scientific. Sarah and I argued about this for a while. Um, here's what's, here's what's happening. Spiritually, here's what's happening. I wanted to take you, if you have Bibles, and we're gonna go there in a moment, but I'm just gonna take you to chapter 31. Here's what's happening in verse 10. Okay? It says, in breeding season, I once had a dream in which I looked up and saw that the male goats mating with the flock were streak speckled, or spotted. You see that? Verse 11. The angel of God said to me in the dream, Jacob, I answered, here I am. And he said, look up and see that all the male goats mating with the flock are streaked, speckled, or spotted. For I have seen all that Laban has been doing to you. You see what's going on here? So it's, there's a gene. Now, we got many doctors here. So there's a gene issue here. Now um, you know how you have recessive genes, right? Some people can you can have two brown-eyed people, and every once in a while they have blue eyes or something like that. And I get it right or wrong. Like that's not normal, but if there's a recessive gene, it can happen, right? So you don't see it. So what was obviously happening here is these are you, by your eyes we look at the we look at these goats and they look like they don't have speckles or spots. Guy was showing them like, hey, trust me, those sheep right there, I mean those goats are speckled and spotted. So he took actually those goats that he, that the guy told him to take and kept allowing them to mate so that they would come out speckled or spotted. You get it? Isn't that great? I just think this is awesome. And so, let's go back to the text just to let you guys know what, what had happened. So they made it in front of them and they bore young that were streaked or speckled or spotted. Verse 40. Jacob set apart the young of the flock by themselves, but made the rest face the streak or dark colored animals that belonged to Laban. Question: You all thinking what's up with the trees? Why did he bring the trees and have them look? I don't have a clue. What's up with the trees? Um, yeah, I I wonder if he was just if if he was making Laban wonder. What, did that have something to do with it? I don't know if he was trying to like fake it or what. I don't know what the what the tree thing is. Um, I I was I tried to research for you guys. I came up empty. So that's all I got for you there. But um, what I do know is that there's a gene issue and God was being sovereign and showing him um, who had which genes. Um, It says, then he uh," I'm sorry. It says, thus, he made. Sorry, verse 40. Jacob set apart the young of the flock by themselves, um, but made the rest face the streak and dark colored animals that belong to Laban. It says, thus, he made separate flocks for himself and did not put them with Laban's animals. Um, so then he would, um, it says, whenever the stronger females were in heat, Jacob would place the branches in the troughs in front of the animals so they would mate near the branches. Uh, I think it was actually a location-issue place. I think he just wanted to make sure he knew where his were. And uh, in verse 42 it says, but if the animals were weak, he would not place them there. So the weak animals went to Laban and the strong ones to Jacob. In this way, the man grew exceedingly prosperous and came to own large flocks and maid servants and men servants and camels and donkeys. And so all of a sudden, he's he's gaining all this wealth. Are you getting it? So you think the impossible, Laban in his wildest dreams did not think. He thought, man, I'm going to continue to prosper. The, The demon told me, keep Jacob in the game. I get money, I get paid with him, I got my pure sheep, I gave all the speckled ones out of here, so I got this pure alliance here, I'm going to have more, We're going to get more stuff. All of a sudden, Jacob becomes more powerful uh, than Laban. Isn't that crazy? All right, so all of a sudden, and his, and his family gets mad. Look what they say here. Verse 30, we're in chapter 31 now. Jacob heard that Laban's son were saying, Jacob has taken everything our father owned and has gained all this wealth Uh, from what belonged to our father. Well, how did they know? Why? Because they would see, you know, maybe on moving day, he would bring the sheep, or I'm sorry, the goats that he had been producing to his area, right? Because, you know, he didn't keep all of his sheep. It wasn't like he outgrew Laban's farm. He probably took his keep back to the area where his sons were keeping his sheep. And so they, they were seeing, like, more sheep, more goats, more goats, more goats. Like, man, this brother, he's coming up. So they're getting upset, Continue on, guys. It says, Jacob heard that Laban's sons were saying, Jacob has taken everything our father owned and has gained all this wealth from what belonged to our father. And Jacob noticed that Laban's attitude toward him was not what it had been. Now, this is interesting. Then it says in verse three, then the Lord said, Jacob to Jacob, go back to the land of your fathers and to your relatives and I will be with you. I just think very interesting now, it's been many years, okay, we're talking 10 to 15 years of Jacob struggling and working. And God, you don't see God say anything to him about, hey, why don't you go back? Why don't you, uh, you know, this dude's been dogging you for a while. It's time for you to leave. Why don't you go? It's interesting. It's like finally Jacob is successful. Finally, he is balling, right? He has, he has goats. He has all this stuff. He has all these resources. He's rich. You think, hey, let's just keep this thing going. Is when he's successful, God tells him to leave. Isn't that interesting? You would think he would say, you know, ask, you know, like, man, you're 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 struggling right now. I just thought, man, I wonder. Many times in my life, like, it seems like I, I would think for God, and God makes me do something when I think it's totally crazy. Like that, you know. Here we are. You know, he's like, man, well, I got the resources. Why should I leave now? And the very time where I'm thinking he shouldn't leave, he should just keep accumulating more wealth, God's like, you need to leave. Versus, hey, when I'm struggling and I'm down and out, where God can say, hey, let's take you somewhere else. Like, I'm thinking this is the time where God should say leave when he's dogging me and I'm never getting paid and I'm struggling to eat, make ends meet, but God doesn't. I think that's interesting. And I, and I just was laughing because I, I, I was thinking about some of you guys in the body. I love how some of you guys... It's like the Lord like drags you here. Look, there's some of you guys you couldn't get in any other school, you know, and now you're here. You know, I'm just keeping it real. And 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 the thing it was interesting is, is some of you that happens and you're never going. Wow, Lord, what do you want to teach me now? Like you you you're treating this time like it's penitentiary, and you're buying your time until you can get out. And I think it's really sad because I wonder, I would think, man, you you should be even more expecting. If God had to drag you here, you didn't want to be here, and now you have to be here, I would go, man, the Lord must have really wanted me here. So, man, let me, let me, God is sovereign. I have my own plan, and God just smacked that across the face and said, nope, you would have done that. You would have done that in the flesh, no problem, and you would have said you prayed about it. And so that's why I had to close that door, because you ain't humble enough. I'm just saying You know, so I closed it. So now you gotta do what I told you because you ain't got no other choice. And versus going, wow, Lord, with great humility, let me seize the day. Let me walk with the Lord. Let me be about keen. And we go, how many, how long I gotta be here? How long? Okay. Mm -hmm." And we kind of try, we still don't enter into brokenness. And I'm just saying, I'm just saying, again, it's not a text. (laughs) I'm just saying, I wonder if there's something to the reality of how good God is where he does things that we wouldn't do. That's my whole point. I wonder if he just does things that we wouldn't do. So he tells him, you need to leave now. I'll be with you. So Jacob, so it says in verse 4, Jacob's sitting, so now, so now Jacob needs to leave, okay? Now, what does he have to do? He has to get, um he has to get buy-in by the wives, right? You can't just leave it under the honeys, tell the honeys, right? And you guys know it's hard enough to get buy-in with your wife. He had to talk to four honeys, right? So... He has a conference. Verse four says, so Jacob sent word to Rachel and Leah and to come out to the fields where his flocks were. He said to them now. So he he brings them out to where his flocks. I see that your father's attitude toward me is not what it was before. But the God of my father has been with me. You know, verse six, "um, that I've worked uh, for your father with all my strength. Yet your father has cheated me by charging me my wages ten times. Not shown in the scriptures, okay? We don't see the accounts of each time where he where he cheats him. And I don't think this is hyperbolic speech, because he's going to say it a few times. And it seems like, one of, It seems like a, I think he's going to give an example here real soon, too. So he, he cheats him out of wages. So here again, we've experienced this. Hey, um, you deserve a raise. You know, okay, I'm going to raise in two months. And then two months come, well, things are kind of tight. We, I don't know if we can give you a raise now. And you get played like that, stringed along. Some of you guys have experienced this. He continues on. He says, you know, your, your father's cheated me. Um, middle of verse seven. However, God has not allowed him to harm me. Like He didn't he, he, you know. God protected me, even though this guy had my worst interest. Look at verse eight. If he said the speckled ones, he gives an example, which is why I think he's serious about the wage piece. He says, um, if he said the speckled ones will be your wages, then all the flocks gave birth to speckled ones. And if he said the street ones will be your wages, then all the flocks bore street young. Um, so God has taken away your father's livestock and has given them to me. Uh, verse 10. In breeding season, we just read through this, um, um, I once had a dream in which I looked up and saw the male goats. So we know what happened now. Right. Mating with the flocks were streaked, speckled or spotted. The angel God said to me in a dream, um, and uh, Jacob, I answered, here I am. And he said, look up and see that all the male uh, goats mating with the flock are streaked, speckled or spotted. For I have seen all that Laban has been doing to you. I am the Lord uh, I'm the God of Bethel, uh, where you anointed a pillar um, and where you and where you made a vow to me. Now leave this land at once and go back to your native land. By the way, say, man, well, how do I know if God's talking to me or a demon? It seems that you go to scripture. God makes it really clear when God is talking to you. Um, and I say that because I don't, I don't I don't I'm I'm on a theological preposition and I'm firmly convinced of this. God does not in an audible voice talk to people like this on a normal circumstance like, hey, you should go eat a banana or something like that. Like when God talks like this, it's like for redemptive history change. It's serious business. Um, so. All right. Verse 14. Then Rachel and Leah reply. Check this out. Ladies in the house. Um, If you're married, newly married, check this out now. Don't miss this. Then Rachel and Leah replied, do we still have any share in the inheritance of our father's estate? They've been here for years, and it seems like they've never ever, ever really took account until the character of their dad. They've never really said, now, what kind of man is my dad? And I and, I, and I, I I know ladies struggle with this. You get married, and you think your dad's hot stuff, right? And some of them don't even know the Lord, and it takes something like this to make you have to deal with the reality of his character. I'm not asking you to hate your dad or anything. What I am asking you is that there is a biblical supposition that you are to leave and cleave and be with your husband. And it's just interesting that in this text here, this is like almost the first time they're going, huh? Yeah. So you're asking me to go with you. I've got to make a choice. Now, do I stay with daddy or do I go with you? And they start looking at the account and they're going, man, hmm. Look at this guy. Do we still have... Any sharing and inheritance of our father's estate hasn't he blown it all? Like, like, does he even did, did he leave us anything? Is there anything for us? Does he not regard us as foreigners? Does he, he treats us like we're like he doesn't even know us. Not only has he sold us, but he has used up what he has paid for us. Talking about the times where maybe where he sold him into the sexual, uh, you know, Leah and the whole deal. He, he's like, okay, not only he sold us, but we haven't even seen a dime from the money. Surely all the wealth that God uh, took away from our father belongs to us and our children. So do whatever God has told you. We're going to go with you, Jacob. Uh, then Jacob put his children. Now, here's the thing. Jacob is still wimpy. Don't miss this. Stick with me now. Jacob's still wimpy. Look what he does. Then Jacob put his children. He's starting to get some courage, but it's taking time. Put his children and his wives on camels. In verse 18, and he drove all his livestock ahead of him, along with all the goods he had accumulated in Padam Aram to go to his father Isaac in the land of Canaan. And it says, now when Laban had gone to shear his sheep, you know, again, you got to have something kooky in the Jacob story. Rachel steals her father's household gods. So she stole her household um, household gods. So he's going out to shear sheep. I guess that's what you do if you're a shepherd. And she steals the gods. Moreover, uh, Jacob deceived Laban, uh, the Aramean, uh, by not telling him he was running away, so he fled with all he had and crossing the river, he headed for the hill country of Gilead. So he, while he's gone, is wimpy. He doesn't say, "I'm tired of your stuff. You cheated me. I'm a man of God. I can't believe this. I'm going to stand up to you." He says, "Oh, you're going to cut, you, you're, cutting, you, you're trimming the sheep. You're giving them faith. I'm going to pack up right now and I'm going to run while he's while he's away. Still the wimpy way out, right? But check this out. God won't let him get away with it that easy." God makes him stand up and be a man. Look at verse 22. On the third day, Laban was told that Jacob had fled. Taking his relatives with him, he pursued Jacob for seven days and caught up with him in the hill country of Gilead. Then God came to Laban the Aramean in a dream at night and said to him, I love this, be careful not to say anything to Jacob, either good or bad. What I love about this, I would say, if you would say, what's the theme of these passages we're reading right now, this whole pericope? What's the theme here? I think this is the theme right here. And that is God is with His people. The theme of this passage is that God. You say, "What's what is God trying to teach me?" And you got to hear this because when you struggle, I don't know if I'm gonna get in the Word. I don't. Know, oh man, especially at Macale, we actually we want you to we want you to act like Christians here, right? So you struggle here because we actually want you to read your Bible, and we want you to be in community, and we want you to confess sin, and we want you to trust your Savior, right? And so you go, man. This confessing sin thing, trusting the Savior, being honest all the time, being kind, like reading my Bible, like, this is hard. You know, this is hard, trying to, trying to, trying to walk with the Lord, and then the, then the, the, the ways of the world keep crashing on me. And I want to propose to you, God wants us to know something, and that is, I am with my people. I am with you. Look what he says, he says, look, I love, it. he says, look, don't you, don't you, you better watch what you say to him. Verse 25, Jacob had pitched his tent in the hill country of Gilead when Laban overtook him. And Laban and his relatives camped there too. Look at Laban. You talk about a guy who's just totally unaware. And we we, we maybe know people like this. Maybe you struggle with this yourself. You, you're sitting here. I mean, all of a sudden he's committed. And look at him. He takes the holy high roll. Look what he says here. <laughs> it says, then Laban said to Jacob, what have you done? You've deceived me. And you've carried off my daughters like captives in war. What dude? They came with me because you were straight up jerk. I didn't carry your daughters away. They left because you've been an absentee dad. You sold them into sexual sin. Verse twenty-seven. Why didn't you tell me so I could send you away with a joy, with joy and sing into, uh, to the music of a tambourine and, and tambourines and harps? Okay, guys. Do you really think? Right, family. Is he? You, you think he's kind of honest here, or what? Do you think this is true? No. He wasn't going to send this guy away with a big old fest feast. Oh, look, Jacob's leaving. Get out the, the fattened calf. That wasn't going to happen. He's just a. He's just a. He's a deceiver. Look what he says. He says, "You didn't even let me kiss my grandchildren, and my daughters goodbye. You have done a foolish thing. I have the power to harm you, but last night the God of your fathers saved your butt." He said to me, be careful not to say anything to Jacob, either good or bad. He says, now you have gone off because you long uh, to return to your father's house. But why did you steal my God? See, ah, that's a real reason. That's why you're tripping. I love that. You, see, you know, he talks, says all this stuff. You're going off. Hey, man, why are you take my gods? Right? Because he still has all this fleshly tendencies. He still wants it. Why do you think he wants his gods? Because he thinks that's the re- probably part of the reason of his success. He hangs out with demons. He said, I need my gods. Because if you're going to leave, okay, well, I'm kind of sad, but hopefully I can still get paid. Because it's still about me. you still like, can I get my gods back? Again, it gets gets a little crazy here. Jacob answered Laban, I was afraid because I thought you would take your daughters away from me by force. Uh, But if you find anyone who has your gods, he shall not live. In the presence of our relatives, see for yourself whether there is anything of yours here with me. And if so, take it. Now, Jacob did not know that Rachel had stolen the gods. Okay? Which, by the way, if you can steal your little... If you steal a god, that's not a big god. Verse 33. So Laban went into Jacob's tent, into Leah's tent, and into the tent of the two maidservants, and he found nothing. Okay? And after he... um, Uh, He came out of Leah's tent, he entered Rachel's tent. Now Rachel had taken the household gods and put them inside her camel's saddle and was sitting on them. Here it gets kind of weird here, guys, sorry. Laban searched through everything in the tent but found nothing. Rachel said to her father, don't be angry, my lord, uh, that I cannot stand up in your presence. I'm having my period. I'm going to keep moving. So he searched but could not find the household gods. I think everybody knows historically what's going on there. Uh, So he searched but could not find the household gods. So she said, hey, man, hurry my period. You don't want to check here, do you? He says, no, I'm cool. And verse 36, Jacob was angry. Now, Now, here it is, finally. So years, we have, guys, we have walked through this story together. You have seen continuously Jacob over and over and over again being passive and just not stepping up as a man. Okay? Finally, he gets some courage. Look at this. Jacob was angry, and he took Laban to task, the scriptures say. He says, I'm going to tell you something. He said, what is my crime? He asked Laban. What sin have I committed that you hunt me down? Verse 37. Now now that you've searched through my, all my goods, what have you found that belongs to your household? Put it here in front of your relatives and mine and let them judge uh, between the two of us. Right now, let's have it out. Let's put it all out in the light. Let's see what the people, let's see what the family say. You put it all out right now. Let's see. He just calls him out. Look what he does. He just starts going off. I have been with you for 20 years now. I've been working for you for 20 years. Your sheep and goats have not miscarried, nor have I eaten rams from your flocks. All the stuff you've gotten, all the wealth you've had, I haven't killed one ram and eaten it myself. Haven't done any of that had great character and integrity. Verse 39. I did not bring you animals torn by wild beasts. I border lost myself. If I'm working in subway, I open a box of tomatoes and they're all beat up. you know what I did? I took it out of my paycheck is what he's saying. I didn't say, hey, you got some messed up tomatoes. You need to, you need to buy these. He said, no, I just took it out of my paycheck. This is what I did the whole time. Man of a character, man of integrity. The whole time, he says. He says, I, he says, I border lost myself. It says, and, and and you demanded payment for me for whatever was stolen by day or night. You demanded payment. Even though I did all those things, you still got on me when something was missing. And you knew I did these things. He says, this, this, this is my situation. The heat consumed me in the daytime. In the cold at night, I was out in the heat working hard for you. And when it was cold, no one came and brought me a coat. I worked hard in the cold even. And you didn't even care. He just just tells, this is right in front of him. He says, and slept, fled from my eyes. I was sleepless nights working for you. Verse 41. It was like this for the 20 years I was in your household. I worked for you 14 years for your two daughters and six years for your flocks. And you changed my way just 10 times. He mentions it again. This is the situation he's in. Verse 42, if the God of my father, the God of Abraham, and the fear of Isaac had not been with me, you would have surely continued to play me. You would have sent me away empty-handed. But God has seen my hardship and the toil of my hands, and last night he rebuked you. And he gives God the glory. God has seen this. He's seen you mistreating me. He's known what I've done. Here's what I love about this family. I know this is a long passage, but don't miss this. Don't get tired right now, because God is trying to show you and me something. He has a high ground now because he has been a man of integrity. He couldn't have said this if he had been cheating. He couldn't have said this if he had been stealing rams and goats. He couldn't have said this if he tried to get it his way because he was being mistreated. And you know we can can justify it. Well, look how he's treating me. I deserve at least some of this. He didn't do that. Because God gave him the grace that the day would come where he would be able to stand before Laban and say, I am totally innocent, you are an evil man, and God has been fighting for me. That's the kind of men and women God wants us to be. Where we can stand up and say, you know what, God knows what's going on here. What I'll do, I'll let the Lord fight for me. If I have a bad landlord, if someone's being jerky at my job, if people are hating, they're jealous of me, God knows the toil you're doing, Mark, at your job. Stab be a man of integrity and character. So when the day comes, all you gotta say is the Lord will fight for me, and he stands there and he can't say a thing. He can't say but, but, but look what you but, but look what you did. He can't do it. He can't do it. He continues on, guys. Don't miss this. Look what he says here. Laban answered Jacob. The women are my daughters, the children are my children, the flocks are my flocks. All you see is mine. Yet, yeah, what can I do today about these daughters of mine or about the children they are born? Come now, let's make a covenant, you and I. And let's, let's serve, um, let us serve as a witness between us. That's tragic. That's a tragic passage, guys. <coughs> let me tell you why that's tragic. Do You see it? He has specific sin called out. Numerous specific sin, numerous, and he didn't even repent. He didn't even acknowledge it. He didn't say, you're right on this one. or Okay, I see on this one. He didn't even acknowledge the wrongdoing he had done. He just went on and said, well, let's define a relationship now. You know what we're seeing right now? If you're looking in this story, you're seeing a couple people here. You're seeing one person who's just as sinful and messed up, but there seems to be an air of repentance. Someone who understands that his help comes from the Lord. And he's saying, man, I'm messed up, but I'm trying to, I'm trying to walk with this king here. I'm trying to, I'm trying to figure out what does it mean to have a relationship with Yahweh. This other guy isn't acknowledging anything. He's absolutely unaware of himself absolutely blame-shifting. Tragic. Look at the audacity. So Jacob doesn't even fight. Look, he says, so Jacob took a stone, set it up as a pillar, said to his relatives, gather some stones, which is interesting. I don't know if the people, I don't know if the whole family was there while he's putting them on blast or not. It would be so fitting if the whole family heard that whole whole rant there. It would be really fitting. I don't know, though. Uh, they took the stones and piled them in a heap, and they ate there by the heap. Uh, Laban called it jigur Sahutatha. and Jacob called it Gilead, Galid, I'm sorry. Laban, and both of those just basically mean witness, like witness heap. And Laban said, uh, this heap is a witness between you and me today. Uh, this is why it was called Galeed. It was also called Mitzpah because he said, may the Lord keep uh, watch between you and me when we are away from each other, which uh, Mitzpah means watchtower. Verse 50. If you mistreat my daughters or if you take um, away to take any wives beside my daughters, even though no one is with us. Remember that God is a witness between you and me. Verse 51. Laban also said to Jacob, here is this heap and here is this pillar I have set up between you and me. This heap is a witness and a pillar is a witness that I would not go past this heap to your side to harm you and that you would not go past this heap and pillar uh, to my side to harm me. Nay, the God of Abraham and the God of Nahor and the God of, of, of their father judge between us. So Jacob took an oath in the name of the fear of, the, uh, of his father Isaac, verse 54. He offered a sacrifice there in the hill country and invited his relatives to a meal. After they had eaten, they spent the night there. there. Early the next morning, Laban kissed his grandchildren and his daughters and blessed them. Then he left and returned home. What a tragic story. Here's how it ends doesn't repent. Tried to, try to take the holy high road. Let me, let me set all the parameters. Here's what we're going to do. You know, we're going to set these stones up. God is he's claiming God here and there. And there's no air of repentance. There's just a hard heart, a guy who's still like, he didn't say, hey, wait, can we talk about this? Am I, can, I, can I see my grandkids? Here's a man who's, who's willing to just say, I'm never going to see my grandkids again. I'm never going to see my daughters again. For what? For what? I propose to you greed. You don't hear. Laban, this is it. This is where he is. Guys, you can hit it, please. This passage is about God being with his people. And and I... As you, as you look at the acts here, I know it's just, as you look at the different people, ask yourself, like, is that us? Do we find ourselves being friends with people to figure out what we can get out of them? Is, is this, which, who are you in this? Are you shysty? Are you conniving? Are your relationships all for your personal gain? Is it about you in your life? Do you even use God so that you can have personal gain? Are you proclaiming the gospel here so that people would adore you, not Christ? Like, what? what is it? Why do I mention these? Because I struggle with everything I just mentioned to you. I struggle with every one of them. And we got to get real with our sin and not be like Laban and passing it off and acting like it doesn't exist and blame shifting, but saying, man, this is who I am. Now, may I trust the Savior in my stuff. His point is that God is with you. And what does that do? He gives us three things. Here, here's, the, here's the deal. Just put them up, please. I want to encourage you, as you're, as you're in Matt group, as you're dialoguing with the Lord and your time with him this week, ask yourself, are these three, see, God is with us, and what that does, God is with you, and now because God is with me and he's with you, now I have the power in the Holy Spirit to be a repentant man. Now I can repent. Now I can look in the face and it and I don't I it's not like, oh man, you're you're just messed up. It's like wow, not only am I messed up, but praise the Lord, I can trust the Savior. I can confess, I can be real with my stuff. We're so nervous about being real with our stuff. And I'm telling you, I propose, that's why we struggle with pornography and all the things we struggle with because we're all playing these games. I mean, for, for, for us as, for me as a man to think that my wife is not gonna have a, a, a sexual thought outside of our marriage, is to set her up for failure. She's messed up. My heart is that she will repent. My heart is that she will come clean, and she will quickly say, whoa, whoa. I looked at this person, I thought, whoa, whoa, I love, I love Eric, Lord Jesus. That's my heart. But to set her up to think you need to be perfect in this marriage, what that would do would make her want to have a duplicative lifestyle and live a life of fakeness. Lying to me and then trying to be this other person that's kind of crazy and no one knows about this one. Are you feeling me, family? Am I saying I'm advocating sin? No. I'm saying we can be honest with our stuff as we trust our savior. Guys, I can go on and on about this. I just, a good friend talked about Tim Tebow. You know he was great. If you don't know Tim Tebow, know he's great college quarterback. Guy asked him, "Man, what is the what is the thing? What do say? What is the thing you struggle with? You know, you know what he said. You know what this? And I, I I like Tim Tebow. This hurt me. You know what he said? Nail biting. In that moment." He distorted the gospel for a whole nation because he made the gospel look like what it is in many churches. And that is, you know, I'm okay. I just kind of have an occasional twitch thing that I have to give to Jesus. No, no, no. What do you struggle with, Eric? Man, I'm so decrepit and messed up. I don't have time to tell you, but I'll tell you this much. I'm an evil man. And by God's grace, he's made me righteous. I'm just messed up. Think about it. I struggle with. Pride—I struggle with wanting to be identified as someone better than other people. I struggle with going into a store and thinking I'm better than the person next to me who has broken English. I struggle with someone who looks more dirtier than me. I struggle with so many things. I wrestle and I walk out the room and I talk with you and I'm struggling with sin and I'm struggling with like, how, why do I feel that way and why am I thinking about this toward this person and what? And it's just, it's just crazy. But my hope is not in all of that being perfect. My hope is that I have a Savior. Who? do you get that we don't need to be perfect? Nail biting. Come. On. He had a, he had a chance to share the gospel. If you think your issue is simply, there's a few things you got to clean up. You don't get the gospel. And you haven't gone in touch with the sinfulness in your heart. We need Jesus. You're messed up. And that's why he died. That's why he died. So he can rise and he can make you perfect. We have the freedom now to repent. To be okay with our stuff. To, and, not, and know that, hey, God is going, he's doing the work in me, guys. I know I'm going long. Grace, guys. Receiving grace and dispensing grace. Being a, being a man and a woman who goes, wow, because I'm I now free in the, in the Lord to repent because he's with me, I can experience his grace because he's with me. That I'm not perfect, and that's okay. But guess what? I'm, I'm, I'm submitting to my Savior, and there is nothing I have done to earn it. That's what grace is. Unmerited favor. There's absolutely nothing I've done. And guys, we've got to be careful because we talk in this church a lot about understanding that, you know, works without faith is dead. Let's be clear, though. If you're talking about grace and people aren't asking you the question about, wait, so what? Wait, so I don't have to do anything. You probably distorted grace. Do you hear me? I'm convinced of that. If you're talking truly about grace, you should need to explain how this, like, wh- wh- you, you should have to explain grace because it should be so weird. And if you don't have to explain it because you've harped more time on the things you got to do, if you, see, here's the thing. People don't like to hear this. The gospel actually is free. See, some of us, we get nervous. Well, what are you saying? Is it, are you prostituting grace? Uh, no. I propose to you that if you're not being clear about that, you're prostituting prostitute in grace. The gospel is free. Now, I get it. If you're not living like Christ, all that stuff, I get it. And you're like, well, did that person, was that that a true reality in his life? That's different. But people come to Christ, and we don't offer them anything. We're evil, and God makes us good. And it gives you courage. We now can repent. We now can live a life motivated by grace. And now we have courage. Now we can have courage to live a life of godliness. Courage to stand up. To not not sit around in a downward spiral of families where they say, you better keep just being around here and serving me like Laban. I don't give a rip about you. You have courage and now say, no, you can call me a salad or whatever. I'm going to do what God wants me to do. Where you don't stay in a job and you can't provide for your family and they're totally demeaning you. You have courage to say, i got to find a new job. I'm proposing in this room, I just want to ask you this week, what would it look like for you to be courageous where you are? Courage. Um, We're going to take communion right now. Um, The way we take communion, I want you to...